Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Un podcast para ti y para mí. Tamarindo Podcast is your hosts, Luis Octavio and Brenda Gonzalez. And we are your socially conscious talk show with a Latino vibe. We are amigos talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! So, Luis, uh, I have a question for you. Dime, Brenda, tell me. Have you reached your full potential? What are we talking about? Leadership, um, facing your fears, just becoming a bigger person. You know, I think I have, but I would like to reach my real full potential. Oh, okay. Well, great. Well, there's an opportunity for you to do that. It is called the Love Me Retreat. Oh, really? Yes, 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 yes. And for uh, a very, very small investment, you can spend a, whole, a full day retreat with a life coach, Liz Garcia, a life coach, and she will give you the tools you need so that you can become a better person and break through barriers and be your highest self. Well, I love me some retreating. Okay, great. Well, did you know that the listeners of the Tamarindo podcast get 50% off the Love Me Retreat? Oh, I didn't know that. So give me the 411 on this Love Me Retreat. Well, the Love Me Retreat is a one-day retreat where you get to love yourself, strengthen your relationship with you, and work through the junk that has been holding you down. And the cool thing is that that's, uh, there's one for women and there's one for men. So the Women's Love Me Retreat is on Saturday, July 16th, 2016. And the one for men is on August 20th, 2016. And these are from 9 to 4 p.m. And like I said, the listeners of the Tamarindo podcast get 50% off. So it's already, I have to say that for, for a, a full day retreat, the price is already very affordable. But we're giving you 50% off. Sign me up. Fantastic. Well, the way you sign up is I'll give you a special link and you can find this special link. We will put it on our Facebook page. We will tweet it. You can email us at tamarindopodcast at gmail.com and we can send it to you. And I really hope that you take advantage of this. So again, the dates are July 20th, I'm sorry, July 16th for women and August 20th for men, 9 to 4, the Love Me Retreat with Life Coach Liz Garcia. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Welcome back, listeners or new listeners. This is a, a very exciting episode of our, about a topic that neither Luis and I knew very much about. Yeah, I definitely didn't. <laughs> yeah, but I, probably many of you, if you are grew up like Luis and I, it, this this subject was very taboo in your home. You did not uh, talk about marijuana. Yes, and and um, much less fighting to make it legal. No, never even you just. That was in no way. Of, yeah, for sure. so you're yeah. gonna hear all about uh, wh why this is actually a very important issue for our community, and we we're really excited. You'll you'll hear from a lovely, our lovely guest uh, who was such a joy to have, and we hope that we have Armando um, back again later. You and you'll hear all about what he does and all about him shortly. But before we get to that, Luis, how are you? I'm doing well, you know, just uh, going to the SWAT me every Sunday, eating tacos de carnitas and. You know, trying to stay fit. Very eh, cool. Just kidding. What? Just kidding. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Well, we. I've been uh, a terrible 
person at training for a marathon. <laughs> and it's coming up real soon. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. wish are me you, luck. Are you training for a marathon? Marathon, yes. Para ser un, un marranito? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just like I do Zumba. Para su, me sumo un taco. Me sumo una torta. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I think I heard of that. Yeah. All right. Let's get started with our show. Woo. All right, so we're ready to, to welcome our guest. We have Armando Gudino. He's with the Drug Policy Alliance, and he's going to join us because this, the theme for this episode is all about um, helping our families through navigate taboos and how getting through that can possibly lead to positive impacts for Latino communities. So uh, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you, you for the invite. Um, so we wanted to know, what is it, what is it that you do and why? I am among the uh, bunch of uh, either really crazy and dumb people or really smart and innovative people, depending on who you ask, that is looking to legalize marijuana. Ooh, now, what would your, Luis, what would your mom say about that? My mom would be se persinaria, first of all. <laughs> and then she would be like, valgame Dios. Valgame Dios, of course. And no hables de eso aquí. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, so it's interesting, yeah, because I think, t yeah, for, for my family growing up, marijuana is very taboo. It's not something you do. There's a negative perception. Uh, is that something that you have to run across when you when you work with Latino families? Oh, absolutely. In fact, truth be told, with my own uh, mother, when I first told her that I was transitioning to the world of marijuana, She threw out a couple of Dios Mios, one or two <laughs> persinadas, and she went like the old school persinada that starts in the forehead and goes oh all the God, way down. Oh, my God, yes. Right, right, right. Each one is oh, a persinada. Yeah. Yeah. It started in the forehead, and then it goes the full face, and then it goes the full like chest, face, forehead, and then oh she God. did like a whole, she took two steps back and did the whole body. Oh, wow. my God, wow. And then my godmother went inside because she's standing there, and she's like, throwing out a rezo under her breath and she goes and gets the agua bendita. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my True story. Full on ex exorcism. I, I, I ran out the house before they did pull out the, the Linda Blair story. But yeah, no, no, my parents were very much the same. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that every Latino family experiences. And the closer you are to that generation that first migrated here, the deeper that root gets. And it's, I find it actually fascinating because I see it in my family. Uh, my mom, my father literally kicked me out of the room. You know, <laughs> my father's like at least right now 175 years old. I think I told him this maybe when he was 155 years old. <laughs> And, you know, he threw out a big old school, a la chingada, you know, because <laughs> he's like, he's not having it, you know. Yeah, es como dijo, eso me faltaba. Yes, exactly. Marijuana. Marijuana is like the worst thing in the perception of many Latino families. But how is that damaging? How is that perception damaging our families? Well, see, the thing is, you got to understand that um, that when you, you know, first of all, there is that deep entrenched Catholicism that we're all raised with, right? The Catholic guilt that, uh, depending on who you ask, I would argue plagues. Our, our society, our children, our families, in one important context, not, not to badmouth the, the, the Catholic Church and, 
and the Pope. But, yeah, shout out to this Pope because he's cool. Okay, you know, yeah, that's why I threw that out. I didn't want the good Pope to come my way and, and throw another maldición right there. But, um, you know, our, in our culture, in our tradition, Mexicanos in particular, we're accustomed to believing that the state uh, has a bigger uh, or equal responsibility and role in helping us raise our children. And it's it's difficult because a lot of immigrants come to this country with that general deep-rooted cultural expectation only to find out that in this country, A, that's not going to happen, B, one of the primary ways in which our culture and our people in general are suppressed is through the war on drugs, and C, our children are left to fend for themselves. So what you end up with is a society of young people, particularly Latinos, who become victims of the war on drugs and parents who become disconnected from that reality, all the while society is telling us, don't do drugs or you're going to jail. There is no middle part, abstinence or prison. And with the we new age... We all know age, how abstinence works. And Exactly, <laughs> right? Because a lot of us grew up with that era of just say no. And just yeah, say no. Yeah, with like the D.A.R.E. program even, right? Like... Just yeah, just say no, and you're absolutely right. It's either you, you're going to do drugs, you're going to end up in jail. So there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground, and this country has mass-produced one fundamental idea. I call it the the country of twos. You know, in my own political analysis, I I draw on the experiences of how this country has conveniently convinced its populace that you have to think in pairs. You either support this candidate or that candidate, this party or that party. Even if we look at the racial paradigm on race, right? The paradigm on race, the analysis on race is defined by a black and white, but yet in the Southwest, we're neither, right? So when it comes down to issues like, for example, drugs, you either abstain or you go to prison. There is no middle ground. And yet what we know for a fact that today, you know, um, either, especially if you're Latino, either you get thrown in jail in mass numbers or fuck you, you get deported. Right. And that is the reality we're living in. All the while, our family is expecting, especially that, again, that newer generation of, of migrants and immigrants are expecting that the state is going to help our children understand the issue of drugs. And it hasn't happened, you guys. Right? Since the inception of the war on drugs, since that fucking Dick Nixon went up there and said, you know what, um... The number one killer or the number one enemy of people is the war on drugs. Since then, we've spent a trillion fucking dollars. We've incarcerated tens of millions of people, right? Yet production, distribution, incarceration have all increased. Use has increased. So it begs the question, all right? Here's the bottom line. You got one of three options with the war on drugs. You stay the course, which begs the question, how's that shit working out for you? Or... You find a fucking fairy god dust or some shit that does away with all drugs. Haven't found that either. Or you start thinking about legalizing. And our hand there are still behind the eight ball on that one. So let's talk about that option of, of legalizing. How, how, would, how is that a, a possibility for good? Well, okay. Um, the one thing that I always love to refer to is um, right now my teenage son. You know, it's easier for him and most teenage kids. And, and when we talk about kids and drugs, we got to really start talking about, at this point, you know, in, in my generation, it was definitely high school, college. Nowadays, you have young kids as early as elementary. It's easier for them to acquire drugs on the streets than it is to buy a beer. And that is a fact. 
Why? Because our young people can only get beer one of three ways. They can take it from dad's cupboard, all right, or mom's refrigerator, whatever. They can have somebody, one of their friends, acquire it somewhere else, or they can have a stranger or adult buy it outside the liquor store. Beyond that, it's one of the highly regulated industries along with tobacco and others. So those of us that are in the advocacy world of marijuana, uh, you know, we say, all right, treat it the same as alcohol. Regulate the shit out of it. In fact, you know, regulate it even more. And that's what we're working for. Right now we're working to regulate marijuana um, and what we're and the project we're working on here in California, when it passes, not if, when it passes, will be the most highly regulated in the country and in the world. Um, with the legalization, because it sounds so, you're you're saying you're pretty optimistic. You think this is the time, and I know there's been lots of efforts to to get it to happen. Um, I, what, I've heard a lot of people say. Um, that the black and brown kids have suffered the most from the war on drugs. And now, uh, now that it's becoming, the, the likelihood of it being legalized is very real. It's a real, it's a real possibility. The black and white folks are not going to profit in the same way oh, that others. Jesus, I wish that was so true. Look, uh, let's be honest and put the cards on the table. Marijuana industry is a white people industry. Has been. Um, is now and it probably will be uh, in the future. And that is the unfortunate reality we're faced with. This country arrests on average somewhere in the area of 1.5 million people annually for drug violations, drug law violations. Of those drug law violations, roughly 88%, around 750,000 of them are for marijuana possession only. These are, we're talking it constitutes uh, amounts that are considered by law for personal consumption. Of that 750,000, that 88%, the overwhelming majority are black and Latino, predominantly men. Yet we know statistically that when it comes down to drug use and drug sales, black, whites, and Latinos are the same. So it begs the question, well, shit, then why are they arresting so many black and Latinos? Well, then it brings up the issue of a policeman, police enforcement strategy that focuses on low-income communities, that targets predominantly African-Americans and Latinos. And again, now we have this additional issue where in California, uh, you know, even if you're a green card holder and are caught with a petty amount of drugs, you'll get deported, right? We're talking a cat that's been here 30 years, have put two, three kids through college, and for all intended purposes, is you know a productive, responsible member of society, and you can catch him with a couple of, you know, unprescribed, uh, you know, pain medication in the dashboard. And guess what? Fuck you. Get out. Really? That's the exact case that I'm describing. Wow. And so, what would be the benefit to our our, our community? Like, if it gets legalized, like, how will that help us? Positively, I guess. Well, for starters, if we're arresting, you know, 88% of 1.5 million, 750,000 for petty marijuana use, and we legalize that, uh, you know, you automatically will start to see a reduction in that, right? Because, again, it's petty, petty, petty marijuana use, petty marijuana possession is the number one violator and cause for arrest in this country. Mm-hmm. So if you eliminate that by legalizing it, regulating it, you know, and putting uh, the full force of law enforcement in a responsible way behind it, uh, then you start to eliminate an entire section of society from being incarcerated. Um, and 
on another very important level, you know, there's the issue of the impact it has on immigrant communities here and abroad. The war on drugs has caused somewhere north of 100, some say as high as 150,000 deaths in Mexico alone as a result of cartel violence. Yet in this country, we glorify cartels. We glorify, there's this American obsession with the cartel culture, you know, even among Latinos with cult, cartel uh, ballots and corridos, you know, <laughs> and no se diga, so true. hey, no se diga, puta, the, the, the rise <laughs> of fucking, you know, the old school uh, organized crime, right? Yeah. Most popularized in recent times by, you know, these gangster sitcoms or mm-hmm. not sitcoms, but shows like The Sopranos and others, yeah. right? Where that has become very much a fabric of society. Yet, when it comes down in Mexico to Mexico, you know, we're talking tens of thousands, 100,000 plus people that have died at the hands of this, all because what? They're transporting drugs to this country, the consumer nation. And we know that some cartels make as much as 60% of their income comes from marijuana sales. Wow. And it doesn't just affect, uh, you know, like the people that are producing the drugs or, or whatnot in Mexico, but it also affects, I think, other... Uh, other parts and other businesses, because I recently read that um, in Michoacan, um, the drug cartel wasn't allowing the people that were um, producing limones, right? They they were like the limes. The limes they, they, yeah. Something happened where the drug cartel was kind of like taxing them. taxing them or doing something where there was a shortage of limones here in the United States, right? right? So it doesn't just affect... The drug lords or the or these towns directly, but it's it's every, the, the community, yeah. right? It's Absolutely. A I mean, it's it's a transnational criminal enterprise, right? The cartels, the money comes, you know, the product comes here, we consume it, the money goes back, you know, and in Mexico, like here, right? The most common strategy to address the issue of drugs in this country, in Mexico, in most parts of the world. Uh, unfortunately, a policy popularized by the Americans has been, let's address this, what is public health issue, the overconsumption, right? The overconsumption of a product, um, the, the, the irresponsible consumption of a product. Um, let's address a public health issue, a public health crisis with a militaristic approach, right? In Mexico, they said, bring out the tanks, and you ended up with a strategy that became effective in South America. In South America, the military strategy was chop off the top of the head and the cartel will dismantle. But what you had in places like Colombia was one, maybe two dominant cartels, a much smaller region that focused exclusively on manufacturing, right? When they cut off the heads of Pablo Escobar and others, that did happen to some extent. So it became convenient to then come to Mexico and say, well, let's now do it here. Mexico was very unique because Mexico's cartels, with the exception of producing marijuana and bringing it, a lot of the other drugs were being transported. It was a staging operation ground. It was bringing it here, bring it on over. And you had massive cartels, and when they started chopping heads, guess what? Bit them in the ass because we have this phenomenon in Mexico now known as los cartelitos. You had four Major cartels operate in Mexico for 10, 15 years. They started chopping off heads. Right now, the State Department is monitoring a total of eight 
what are considered dangerous cartels. Total, there's somewhere north of 20. Why? Because you have all these little small bands that were muscle or, you know, mini cartels for higher work, and, and now they've all proliferated. Now, here's going back to the theme of the show. The biggest fucking challenge for us is not all of these politics and all the money being funneled in to fight these issues is that Latinos here, we have the power to make that change. And guess what? We are the most disconnected from these issues because of our cultural taboos, because we're afraid to talk about marijuana. In fact, you know, some people, some in the Latino community are even more accepting of alcoholism. And even if you mess around with that a little is, powder cocaine, right? yeah. pero Dios no quiere de you or the fucking marijuana. It's because, so, oh, it's so true. Right? Yeah. But, but I want to I, I want to I want to ask because uh, we were talking about this prior to starting the the the, the interview. Um, you know, my mom has marijuana in her house that she gets. I don't know from who or where, <laughs> but she has it in a little, you know, topperware. <laughs> or you mean a, a butter? I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she has it filled with other hierbas and I don't know what else and, and, and rubbing alcohol. And she has marijuana in there. And for her, it's fine to use it. For when, you know, she has knee pain or, or, or dolor de huesos or las rumas. Well, you know, maybe that's an opening, the, the medicinal use. Yes, the, but here's the problem. That that particular example, which, you know, I, I too am very familiar and, and, and my family has it. Although my family's come around, uh, they had no choice, you know, as much as I badgered them with the issue of marijuana. Um, very common, especially in Mexicano households and Caribbean households. Uh, the problem is that everything else that involves the education of medical marijuana is void. And here's just as equally a problem. Those of us that work in this industry and in the advocacy of responsible marijuana reform um, have not done the responsible thing in informing our communities. Truth be told, you know, and I've said this publicly before, even the organization I work with and I represent um, it took them a failed attempt at legalizing marijuana in 2010 at the hands of Latinos, no less, in California to realize, oh, shit, we better invest in somebody to start helping us understand this little brown question. <laughs> and, and I come on board, you know, and I say it in part because I think you got to, you know, put their feet to the fire and you got to you know, call a spade a spade. But at the same time, I say it because I want my community to understand that we get it. We acknowledge it. We understand. And now that the challenge is we're on the eve of legalization. And look, Luis Brenda, we are looking at having Los Angeles be the marijuana capital of the world, a billion-dollar industry, and we are the least at the table right now. Hell, we can't get uh, the endorsement process right now. And before we leave, I definitely want to tell you guys about our initiative. We don't have but one single Latino organization endorsing marijuana out of hundreds of organizations that are coming on board. The California uh, Medical Association came on board, school organizations or associations, and the Latino community is scared. And I, I don't blame them. They're, they're terrified. What are our people going to say? Politicians, fucking terrified. What are our constituents going to say? Latino populist, Latino majority state. You know, so what do we have to do? Like, what, what what would be your advice? Like, what what do we need to do to start changing that? 
idea and and that taboo that 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 is right now? What what do we have to do? You know, I, I think uh, I think there's 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 strength in and there's strategy and strength in having that second third generation that was born here to be the conduit of information because I think it helps to have a son, a daughter, a niece, a grandchild come and say, look, you know, abuela, look, mama, you know, just like you have marijuana and alcohol, um, times are such that there is other things. There's now pumadas. There's now, you know, otras maneras de consumirla. A lot of people don't know, for example, a lot of people don't know that there is half of the medical marijuana out there does not get you high. You know, it's high, you know, cannabinoid. Marijuana, the best way to describe it, as I tell some of my Latino partners, is that marijuana can be described in two primary ingredients. This is in the most simplistic of ways, right? You have THC, you have cannabinoid, right? Not, not literally in terms of ingredients, but those are the two major uh, components of marijuana. THC gets you high, cannabinoid doesn't. You can have a high cannabinoid medical product with low THC, and guess what? You're never going to feel stoned. You're never going to feel high, but you're going to feel better. That kind of basic information, basic education, is what has been lacking for the last 30, 40 years. Instead, all we ever had was just say no. Uh, you're going to go to jail. Abstinence. Mm -hmm. You know, that reliance that society is going to help us out. And again, how's that worked out for us? It hasn't. Right. So to, just to, to wrap up, what, what are some places that, so I love Luis mentioning, like what, what we can do, what people, those of us that are in many ways the connectors to our families and elders, uh, where are some places that we can get some information? And then tell us about the bill that you're wanting. So uh, we uh, this year have, uh, we'll have a law on the books, an initiative come November, come the November ballot. Uh, it's called right now the Adult Use Marijuana Act. And that's here in California. That's here in California that seeks to legalize uh, marijuana for recreational use. It builds on the existing mar medical marijuana laws that have been in effect now for 19, 20 years. Um, and it's going to allow the, um, the sale uh, um, of uh, marijuana for adults 21 and older. It will allow uh, folks to be able to have up to eight... Uh, grams of concentrates. Uh, you can grow it at home. Um, however, if a local city where you live in decides that they don't want to allow you to grow at home, uh, the state still permits you to grow indoors, and that includes in greenhouses. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of very other progressive, uh, you know, a lot of the money is going to go towards education, uh, rehabilitation services, which is something that I'm very excited about because, we don't have services for rehabilitation among the Latino community. You know, we don't. And this is going to start bringing that. There's a $50 million reinvestment fund that's being created out of marijuana sales. If you have previous convictions for petty drug crimes, as soon as this goes into effect, it gets expunged and you're able to let go. Uh, and it's going to provide opportunities for Latinos and African Americans to actually join the, the industry. Um, there's uh, several websites, Legalize California 2016. There's Let's Get It Right, Cal uh, Let's Get It Right, uh, another website. There is a formal campaign uh, up and running, and it will be an initiative. Um, it has qualified. It required 300 and 
80,000 or so signatures to qualify to be on the ballot. We were able to raise over 600,000 signatures. Wow, that's amazing. Matraca. <laughs> matraca, where's the matraca? Oh, come on, gentlemen. <laughs> I know, I've been so serious. I'm sorry, man. I just, as no, you can I tell, mean, this but, is a bit of a passion. Uh, but this is, I mean. Uh, it's very interesting for us. Yeah, and it's, it's, and it's serious. I mean, I think we need to get focused on, you know, changing the perception. I yeah. think that that's a very big first step. Right. It is. It is. And we're in trouble. Let me tell you why. Because right now we're at about 58 percent approval rating, according to polls. And among Latinos, even it's above 50 percent. It's coming around between 56, 58 percent as well. And the problem with that, you guys, is that you end up with a political campaign that now feels there's no need to educate Latinos because we don't need the Latino vote. And that's even more dangerous because... We're poised to legalize. We've been the most, uh, the most impacted by the war on drugs, the most incarcerated, uh, the most uh, deported. And now we're on the eve of, you know, some saying, well, we might not need the Latino vote. So guess what? It's going to go full legal. Billion dollar market. Look, Colorado raised somewhere north of $140 million in taxes in 2015, surpassing alcohol tax Nothing had ever done that in the history of this country. The L.A. market is poised. The California market is poised to be 10 times larger than Colorado. Wow. <laughs> I was going to ask you, actually, like, bumping off that Colorado statement, what, have you guys learned anything from how Colorado has run their campaigns to get themselves legalized have you been taking any cues from them yeah I mean truth be told uh, you know we've worked we worked on, on we've had our print in every campaign including uh, Uruguay and South America that is now legal and in varying degrees you know in Colorado we've had a, a somewhat involvement and in, in definitely in Oregon and Washington and even Alaska and even DC we had a, a very uh, important role in Washington DC that now has legal marijuana and, you know, in Colorado, you know, more uh, more people voted for marijuana legalization than did for Obama. And in Colorado, you know, one of the things that we in the political, you know, especially among uh, Latino politics, you know, we, we call it uh, there's these political phenomenons that happen in some places, right, where, you know, the Latinos play such a pivotal role in the election process that we constitute what some analysts call the bump, Right. You know, marijuana has always been between 45% to 55%. It's been a close race. But if we can solidify a Latino vote, it gives us that additional bump of 2, 3, 4, 5% that will solidify the win. And that's one of the things that happened in Colorado. Now, here's the one thing that, that I, that's, I definitely want to leave your, your listeners with. You know, I don't smoke marijuana. I don't care about marijuana. And I do care about marijuana. You know, I'm in the middle about marijuana. You know, I care that my child not be exposed to it. I care that no, no children be exposed to it. But for me, the most fundamental thing, and this is what I say to, to my people, to Latinos, to Mexicanos, English and Spanish, legalization at this point will never cause the harms that the war on drugs has. The war on drugs has been more harmful to us in every possible way from you know, from the way we look, we get profiled, stopped, questioned, detained, arrested, prosecuted, and incarcerated. And that has all been as a result of a policy that aims to treat this issue 
through a police enforcement and military enforcement, and that's always going to be more destructive and it's always going to separate families more than legalization ever will. That's a good, good, good place to, to end that and to have some homework for our listeners to, to study. We'll put the notes, we'll put on their notes all the links that you mentioned. And um, I think it's a very positive message ultimately about the impact that this could have on our families. Uh, but now to lighten it up. <laughs> I know. Sorry, you guys. I promise. No, and, and, and for the listeners that, that obviously can't see us, I'm sure I'm probably the only a-ho that's ever walked in here with a full three-piece suit, right? <laughs> Be honest, Brenda. Yes. He's wearing right. a suit, guys. Oh, uh, didn't Bao? Didn't Bao have a suit? No, he did not, because he was on the Not weekend. even the elect, yeah. not even the politician. Not even the mayor of Garden Grove. Jesus. <laughs> now, now I feel like a douchebag. No, no, we actually feel, I feel underdressed now, man. <laughs> In my defense, I came from work. Okay. Uh, oh, so we ask the, our listeners uh, the same three questions. Yes. Uh, Luis, you want to take it away? Yes. So the first question is, if you had a telenovela, what would the telenovela name be? Or if you were a character in a telenovela, what would your character name be? Okay. So if I had um, if I had a telenovela, it would definitely be something to the effect of a day in the life of me. Right. A day in the life of me. I like that. I would, Actually, I would, that's, a, I, that's a good book. A yeah. Day in the Life of Me. Yeah, yeah that definitely sounds like a really good, like, memoirs, no? Algo así. Yeah, and, and for listeners, we didn't get a chance to talk to Armando about all this, but he's a fascinating story, journal, journalist all over the world. And you're, and you're working on legalization all over the world, right? You're global. Well, we are. We are. I'm focused on California, and then I'm hoping to... Yeah, maybe once this is done, maybe take a long vacation. <laughs> very cool, very cool. So I, I like that mem- to write that memoir, perhaps. <laughs> I know, I know. The day in the life of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, also, what is your favorite snack? It has to be mango con tajin. Con tajin. Yes. And I recently discovered, believe it or not. Uh, what's that? Uh, chamoy. Chamoy. Yeah, so mango con tajin or mango con chamoy, I'll take either one. Perfect. Very That's cool. the perfect combination for yeah. sure. And so we have a segment called La Chancla where you, say, where you throw La Chancla at someone, a thing, uh, a concept, somebody that's annoying you. So who is your chanclazo going to? So um, I'm a really large person. Well, Vertically and horizontally. <laughs> and uh, so I want my chancla to be extra big. And uh, considering the, the frustration of this war on drugs, I would throw the chancla at the war on drugs. That's Perfect. A big chancla. That's like a really a big chancla. Very good. That's a really, really good chancla. Can we chancla. have a, a, matraca, a matraca for a chancla? For. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Jeff, if you can include a zapatazo. Zapatazo. A zapatazo. With the chancla. Yeah. Well, thank you, Armando. It's been a pleasure. Very interesting things. I know I, I've learned a lot. And thank you. Yes, I, I have too. And I think that uh, one of the things that I take from this interview is definitely trying to, you know, remove the taboo from even bringing up this conversation with your families. Yes. You know, so. there's re- real life consequences. There yeah. really are. There really are. So thank you so much for your time. And thank, thank you guys very much. And good luck. Dang, Armando Gudino. He has me like, Alza la mano si te gusta marihuana. Alza la mano si te gusta. I love El General. Yeah, I know. El That's General for president. Hashtag El General but 2016. In, in all 
joking, all joking aside, como dicen acá en los United, uh, it's a really important topic to talk about, and we need to not think of it so much as a taboo subject, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, we did it, Luis. We did another episode. Woo -woo. We did it. Celebramos. Woohoo! And I do want to tell our listeners that uh, we had a lot of stuff for you in June. Producer sí. Jeff was really busy. In fact, we're not even sure if this, you're listening to this in June or July. <laughs> we'll find out later. But I want to let you know that we are going to take a, a little bit of a, a break um, in July. Don't miss us. But we also know that you're probably on vacation sí. or sitting around the 4th of July. Whatever. So uh, we are going to take a, a itty-bitty break. You can kind of think of this as Tamarindo uh, Season 1, if you will. And we'll Dang, be yeah, season one. Season one, and we'll be back. Uh, I want to say that it's been such a lovely time with all of you. Thank you so much for all the reviews, all the all the tweets, all the sharing. Keep at it, please. Keep doing it. Give us ideas. We really want to make this for you. So thank you to our listeners so far. Yes, muchísimas gracias. Uh, it's been awesome. This is great, and uh, we're gonna come back. I'm gonna come back with a tattoo. And we'll talk about that. And then hopefully we'll be able to do more on the road uh, podcast. That's right. And you can help us with that with our GoFundMe. Fund our tacos. Go fund our tacos. Fundourtacos.com. The canasta, ah! the carnitas, <laughs> the se, the whoosh. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Find us on the internet, Tamarindo Cast, Tamarindo Podcast. Just Google it. We're everywhere. Tell a friend. Ponte un suéter. See you at the swap meet. My God, it's really hot. Yes, me estoy derritiendo. Yes, it's a uh, hace frida calor. <laughs> Get it? Get it? Yes, I, I, I stole that from Pocho.com. But listen, the way that I'm staying cool this summer is with a cold beer. And then what should I add to my beer to make it perfect? Well, I know what you should add. What should I add? You should add some I love michelada mix. Fantastic. And where can I get this? You can go online to figure out their nearest location. Or you can go and ask your grocery store to carry it because everybody should carry it. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to pour my I love michelada into my beer. Oh, my God. Perfect. Salud. Salud. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099